Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to catch up with Kessner. Today, I have a coordinator that works for one of the largest tech companies on the planet, a University of California Riverside graduate with a bachelor's in mechanical engineering, and a friend that I met through high school. So go ahead. If you appreciate stories about tech, if you appreciate stories about entrepreneurship, if you appreciate stories about minority empowerment or all the above, hit like subscribe follow download the episode whatever platform you're on we both really appreciate that omar aka uh, xavier thank you so much for joining me today jesus christ what <laughs> a build up thanks Ooh. for joining me today omar yeah thanks for having me 100 percent, i'm excited for today but let's go ahead for the people that don't know who you are we'll start off who are you quick introductions on what you're up to we'll start off with that Yep. Uh, so real quickly, my name is Xavier. He kind of gave everything already. Um, started. I met Kessler back in high school, our junior year. I transferred over to to his high school. Now our uh, was it alma mater? What would you call it? Whatever. Yeah. Um, and then went to Riverside for college. Did a startup the year right after, and then now I'm working as a project coordinator in Amazon. Um, I'm obsessed a lot with specifically the the problems that people kind of have in mass and how they could potentially be solved with um, a technology product. That's kind of my, the thing that I'm always looking for. Nice. All right, well, we'll get into all that today. So Omar, I'm going to dial back the clock a little bit. So thinking about your time in high school, thinking about your time growing up, Speak about the significance of earning your bachelor's in mechanical engineering from UCR. Thinking more specifically about your upbringing and how you move schools a lot growing up, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah, my younger years were, were kind of uh, a lot of moving around. So actually, I, I was born in Texas, El Paso, Texas. I lived in uh, Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahua, Mexico for about four years, moved to Texas for my fifth year. And then in the middle of that fifth year of my life, we actually packed it up and went to Hayward, California. Um, I grew up with a single mom and a younger brother who was three years younger. So when we moved, um, you know, I was five, my brother was two. And then Hayward, California, I went to Longwood Elementary School. And then followed up by Wellington Middle School, started off in Hayward High, and then went to LPS. Now, when I was growing up, um, I didn't care at all for college. You know, like any regular kind of kid, I guess. Um, my mom was one of those, like, tiger moms who would always be like, hey, like, whatever you want to be in life, whether it's a soccer player or a firefighter or an artist, like, yeah, I'm with you. Let's figure out a way to make that happen after you graduate from college. Nice. Um, but it was, it was never in my plan. And I actually, um, it wasn't until kind of my sophomore year of high school and then much, much stronger in my junior high school where I actually considered college. Um, I was always kind of wanting to be a soccer player. I don't know why. Yeah, I think it's a Latino thing. Just <laughs> like any, I wasn't even that good either. Like, I was like top 
Uh, I was better than half the team, but I was never like top 10% or anything. So it, it actually didn't even really make sense. Um, mm. But I used to try a lot. I used to try hard. But uh, like soccer was just like, I, I didn't have a plan B. I was like plan mm-hmm. A, professional soccer player, plan B, who knows? <laughs> care. Um, and honestly, it, it was a lot of combination of events. Um, my sophomore year, I, we went through an event where one of our um, friends and, and classmates, um, uh, two attempted suicide, one actually kind of went through it. And, and that was kind of like a huge wake up call for me, mm. my sophomore year. And then junior year, I transferred over to LPS Hayward. Yeah. And I, I didn't. I didn't want to. I thought it was a whole bunch of nerds. So I'm like, nah, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> Sounds like. Um, but I heard that if I went there, like my brother was gonna have 100% like admissions acceptance mm. into the high school. So like, yeah. You know, I I know my brother's smart. Like he definitely needs like whatever support I can give him. Like this guy's gonna go far. I gotta be wow. able to to set that path. So I ended up in LPS Hayward, and um, my junior year to calculus and physics, and, and that's when I actually. Like, I woke up, I'm like, no, like, college might be for me. Like, calculus was the coolest thing wow. for me at the time in terms of school. Like, I never liked school until calculus. Mm. Uh, and then I, I think it was literally the LPS culture where we went in high school. <laughs> oh, my God. Especially those years when it was, like, brand new and we were so mission. I can't talk about later on. I'm sure it was still that <laughs> kid later on, but when we went there, yeah. so many things were happening at the same time and, and everyone yeah. was Yes, let's go to college. Um, and I think it was it was that that kind of just um, you know the last water drop I needed in that class to mm. go through it and and go to college. And I actually got kicked out my sophomore year of college. I went back in. Wow! And, I, and I finished. Yeah, <laughs> that's a direct answer to your initial question. I think that the, the reason why me graduating with a college degree in the U.S. was especially important was because. Um, my parents were very big on, you know, let's go to college. Like my, yeah. my mom was the first person in her family to ever, mm-hmm. ever attend college. My dad yeah. was, was that too. Mm-hmm. And my dad graduated in Mexico with a degree in mechanical engineering. Oh, wow. um, then when we were raised by my single mom, she actually dropped out of uh, college. Um, she was studying computer science in the University of Texas El Paso. Mm-hmm. And she dropped out, uh, because you know she got pregnant with me and uh and then you know my my brother came along and you know she all kind of always had the dream of going to college and graduating that was like her version of success so when she was raising us i feel like her version of success as a mother was very much based on whether her kids would would graduate from college or not Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna say like she stopped caring after we graduated from college but she, she, she kind of did. She was like, all right, I did my job. Like, <laughs> you guys are on your own now. <laughs> now she's very supportive about what we want to do. But now she's yeah. like, I succeeded. Like, I'm done. Mm. Oh. In the same city, like, I don't yeah. know, what do you think? Coming out from Hayward, right, which, which isn't, like, the most economically fruitful place yeah. to grow up in. Mm-hmm. How, how were you approaching college when we were 16, 17? Yeah, I think my upbringing was similar or some, in parallel in, in some ways for yours, where my parents were really adamant 
about my direction in college and right i think the the culture is different right when you say latinx compared to filipino american yeah. for example have different different upbringings but at the same time there's still this this general understanding or this general belief that success is predetermined whether or not you, your parents believe that you should be in going or pursuing college and so my parents didn't really give me a choice there's you said yeah. going to college <laughs> but at the same time i bought into that right i really want i've yep. really felt at the time that that was my opportunity to really advance myself into a career propel myself into something that i wanted to do at the time that was medicine but besides all that i did feel like college was going to be my next step out of this right this so-called small bubble in hayward yeah and i think it's really important to recognize how when i think back to your story i really appreciate how prior to you coming to leadership or lps high your mindset really wasn't there in terms of nah, it really was not you mentioned definitely having an interest in soccer which is super cool and wanting to prefer or pursue professional sports in that matter but right college was never really something that you felt was attainable or even let alone in your in your heart to pursue and it wasn't until you got into this environment where you surround yourself with the right people in the right culture where you had this shift in mindset of saying maybe maybe college is possible and i really liked how you said that you mentioned a lot of that decision was also thinking about your family because not just yeah. your mom wanted that for yourself, but you thought about your little brother and the opportunities that would bring if going into a sort of better situation when it comes to high school, but just having that idea of guaranteed admissions, right? Because of the legacy program yeah. that you have going on. But it's awesome to hear that you took that, that step of diving in, right? Not wanting to really think about college in that sense, but really opening yourself up to that conversation because I always like talking to people that, you know, college is not really for everyone, right? Some people prefer going into into the workforce right after. Some people like pursuing trade school, vocational, yeah. right? And all these different, different avenues. And a four-year university, public or private, is maybe not for everyone. And that is totally understandable. That is totally acceptable, right? But for, for me personally, and maybe for you as well, I thought that a four-year university was going to be my step in the direction that I wanted to pursue in terms of my passion. And I thought that was really going to get me there. So I still believe that to this day. I'm still a huge advocate for, for pursuing higher education. And it's not for everyone, right? Financially, economically, situationally, right? It's not for yeah. everyone. But at the same time, too, there are so many experiences that I w otherwise would have not have gotten if I didn't go to a four-year university, right? And th those are four years that I couldn't have gotten anywhere else, right? Let alone going to the same college or even if I didn't pursue college in that matter, right? So I, I really try to humble myself and appreciate the time that I did have at, at UC Davis and for you, UCR. Of yeah, and, and during our time, right? Like exactly. college is way different, right? Like right now, as we're Definitely. speaking, is very different to even just a few years back. Mm-hmm. So let alone the experiences of online learning with the pandemic right now, but just even yeah. being able to pursue what was at the time a really renowned university, four-year public university in California. I was just very grateful, but also very 
very ecstatic for the sense that I was given an opportunity to go there because a lot of people that I know never had the chance to, or yeah. they didn't get accepted into their first choice college, right? I'm not saying that Davis was my first choice, but pursuing an education in Davis, pursuing an education in the UC system was definitely, yeah. um, was definitely a, a huge win for me and a huge blessing. So recognizing that a lot of it was mindset, but a lot of it was working twice as hard as other people that had the privilege to pursue a private university in Stanford or, you know, these I mean, we're also lucky, though, right? Right, definitely like, lucky. We, definitely, lucky. yeah. Like LPS was is something in Hayward that's very special. Like if I were to have gone to Hayward High, I don't even know if the same opportunities would have come. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because LPS was just like so like college driven that they did like a lot of the mm -hmm. the back background work for us. Like they, right. like, you gotta do this, you gotta do it like this. This is how you study for the SATs. We do SAT boot camps. Yeah, you know, it's such a we got like very lucky to to be at that right place at that right time. And it's crazy. Like I love how you mentioned that because I think of this like spectrum of in terms of the public educational system or public and private is you have your really top notch schools, right? In your whether it's high school, elementary, middle school, that have really privileged resources, really a really nice backbone of staff that just have the money and the means of investing into their students, right? And then you have these maybe hybrid public schools, maybe it's, you call it, you want to see it through some charter schools that are trying to take the best worlds of yeah. private schools and public schools at the same time, really college oriented, like you mentioned, but definitely do not have the same opportunities or resources as private schools. And then you have these really, really large public schools that have thousands of kids that they just don't have the means or the resources to really invest into their students as much as they'd like, right? Not saying yeah. that high schools and large high schools in general don't have the means to, because there are definitely large public high schools across California, for example, that ha definitely have the resources to dabble into all that. But you also have the really large, large high schools that are in these low income areas that just don't have the means to really invest in their students. And so, when I think about the spectrum of all these different types of schools, I'm really fortunate to be part of a small charter school that at the time was only 420 students, really college all, oriented. And like in four, like in those four years, it was like 400 something, right? Yeah. So some people may be listening like, oh, 400, we have 400 in our class. We have 400 yeah. for the entire high school. Crazy <laughs> like, to think of that. Like 120 in our graduating class. So, right, and I love your this idea that within that school, right, within your small charter school, our small charter school, you took calculus, you took physics, and you really fell in love with, with math. And then you talked yeah. about how that really propelled your, your interest in pursuing math at UCR, but also later on graduating with a mechanical engineering degree, similar to your father's, which is really also cool. But, yeah, my, my brother studied computer science, like my mom. So, you know, I was trying really hard to not be my parents, but, you know, like, <laughs> I, I was also just very lucky to know that, like, if my dad could graduate with mechanical engineering, like, mm -hmm. I can do it, you know? So I was also very lucky in that respect. Right. And then even your mom being, right, first generation yeah. family member to, to pursue and graduate college, right? There's that, not necessarily a sense of 
obligation, but a sense to continue the, the stride of opportunity, right? That your family envisioned for yourself and wanting to provide that for your, for your brother also. That, that was kind of my mom's like carrying us. My grandma was an excellent leader, but also my mom's just like a badass in general. Yeah. Like she came from Mexico to study in University of Texas at Puzzle. She was studying computer science when she didn't even know English all that well. So she Dang. knew like C++ <laughs> better <Plus>. than English. <laughs> right? And, Coding uh, language over English language. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so that was like my mom like just carrying us as a leader, hardcore. Mm -hmm. Just saying like, this is, this is what your future's going to look like. This is why don't go out of bounds. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a single mom, like during the 2008 recession and all this going on, Right. Yeah, that, that was hard. So I was also really lucky to have her um, being my leader for my, you know, my first 17 years of life. And it awesome. continues to be one still. Yeah. Shout out to the moms that give us everything, right? But Shout out to the moms, 100%. That's, that's lovely to hear that, you know, you had a supportive mom. You had a really ideal role model mom. I mean, no parent is perfect. We all recognize that in terms of they struggle so hard to – to bring us up in the ways that we yeah. are, especially with, you know, different minority groups where they have to work twice as hard as, you know, other privileged families of yeah. you know, whether that's immigrating right into the U S or whatever the, the case may be of just having to feel like you have to prove yourself, right. Yeah. For the person next to you saying that we can do it too. Right. We're just, we're the same human beings, but you know, we've gone through adversity and how is that adversity going to, to motivate us to, to work twice as hard and, that's one thing that I really love about my parents too, right? Just coming from the Philippines was this idea of overcoming adversity and really instilling that into my personality of saying, if you want something, you're going to have to, you're going to have to work for it. Right. And you're going to have yeah. to find people that believe in your, in your mission and whether that's other minority supporters, but that's also just the kind of people that you surrounded with. I think one thing that always sticks with me that my dad always used to nag me about was, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. Right. Yeah. And my mom used to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's like a proverb that every, every like, minority knows. <laughs> but it's apparently it's really true. Right. It's really, who do you surround yourself with? Even not even just when you were growing up, but even who you, who do you surround yourself with right now? Like what, information are you putting into yourself what kind of people are you surrounding yourself with yeah. are going to mold you how you're going to become are you going to pursue like-minded people or are you going to surround yourself with people that are always on the cusp of arguing with you or on the cusp of challenging your beliefs right and yeah it really in this toxic environment i mean it's good to surround yourself with people that have different beliefs than you but you know, you have to absorb what you can with a grain of salt, right? But besides all that, it's definitely who do you surround yourself with in terms of like-minded people that are going to support you and believe in you, but also be real with you and provide that, that criticism when you most need it. So that's true. And definitely, definitely believe in that. So thinking about your, you, you mentioned your time in high school, loving math, we met through our love through science, right? Science, so you, science bowl. So you, you indirectly <laughs> recruited me to, to join your science bowl team. Yeah. And I'm especially grateful for that opportunity. But thinking to your time in high school and then seeing it, your time in college, I understand that you led an R&D group, so research and development lab, that put a rocket 
over 12,000 feet in the air while you were in, in college and you actually received an award in that. So props to you. But when you went through that project, when you received project of the year for that, what did that award represent to you? Honestly, we got the award and I, I had something else to do that night. So I had some other team members receive it. The awards are nice, I guess. Um, they, they, they're like nice validation that the org is doing something cool. Right. But like we knew we were doing something cool without the award anyways. It was just like yeah. a, you know, like we're going to get this just shove it in other people's faces that we're doing cool. <laughs> uh, the Rocket Project, yeah, so so I think like one of the reasons I was even able to do that was because of my time in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, our junior year is when we, when we came into the Science Bowl at LPS Hayward, right? And... Uh, it was just like a whole bunch of us like nerds who are just like into <laughs> math and science and we we're just practicing questions and i remember we, we sold cookies to fundraise for these buzzers uh that we would be using and then we partnered up with the school in front of us and we would practice with them at night yeah um and then we just got obliterated our first year against these like private institutions so it was like these kids who just like knew everything about everything yeah. um we came in way stronger that second year. I remember it went to like a completely different. It was we were at a completely different level that second year. Yeah. Uh, but I think one of the reasons I was able to pursue this uh, student organization in college mm-hmm. was because I had that experience doing it in high school. Nice. Um, so uh, just a, a quick shout out to Aerospace Systems. Uh, the yeah. Sort of shout we, out there. We found it in in, in UC Riverside. Uh, it actually initially started out with like seven of us. Mm-hmm. And then, like, four of them or something were, like, graduating. So we ended up with, like, four of us at the end of the day. And we're like, hey, like, how are we going to get this? How are we going to do this? How are we going to launch this rocket? Um, so I actually, I got kicked out my second year. I came back in my third year. Right. And I'm like, luckily I was only kicked out for a summer. <laughs> um, I came back in that third year, and I was like, all right, like, I want to have, like, some tech company after college, um, I gotta get, I gotta prepare in some way, right? I wanna do something cool, yeah. but also I wanna be part of a group that's, you know, smarter than me and more capable than me, and I just wanna be able to contrib- contribute in a way. Yeah. So I, I like sought out, I heard of this like rocket organization, and I'm like, mm-hmm. that's it. Like, either I'm, I'm doing like satellites in space, I'm sending satellites in space while in college, or I'm building a rocket. Like, I don't care. It's one of those two. Uh, the satellite thing didn't exist yet. So I was like, all right, I'll, let's just check out this rocket group. And it, like, it kind of existed and it didn't exist. Um, and so when I came in, it was like, just, uh, like seven of them. And I just like came in, I was like, hey, like, I want to hear more about your group. Mm-hmm. You know, can I just like sit into your meetings? And it was like a close group of friends. So they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of just joined. I was like, all right, let's, let's just, you know, get in there. Yeah. And before I knew it, it was like, we applied to be our own student organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like our rocket blew up in like the first month. Like we had spare parts that we put together and we we're like testing it. And then in the first month, like everything blew up. So it was like, like $3,000 worth of equipment that we were counting on for the entire rest of the year just blew up in like the first month. So we had to like reinvent ourselves mm-hmm. right after that first month. Um, and before you knew it, it was like 25 people. Um, wow. we had like NASA, we, we obtained NASA grants. Um, mm-hmm. we got that rocket 12, 12 feet in space. And then when I transitioned to org uh, a quarter later, after I transitioned it, like this, this like hot shot comes in. It's like, Hey, I want to fund your student organization. Wow. Um, 
let's put let's put let's make it a laboratory for you guys in this airport and i'll just fund all your equipment and wow uh, we'll take it from that so like we got nothing grand this guy like bought an entire airport not didn't buy an entire he bought a, an airport hangar yeah, yeah, yeah and just gave it to us and like this all this equipment to just like do stuff in wow um and and then like the leadership that you know we passed it on to like knew how to take care of those opportunities and yeah. and they, they i just saw them on instagram uh like last week and they're still going like mad strong like these kids are in college and just like killing it over here with, like rockets like posting all this stuff it's honestly incredible um but yeah we won a few awards too <laughs> those, those two plaques those were nice that's awesome our student work tables like hang them up or mm-hmm. put them on the, on the side. Yeah, just on the little table. Say, hey, this, this is who we are. This is what we want. When I think back to, to high school, right, the, the small group in our science bowl team, and, you know, <laughs> shout, out, shout out to that team because, like you said, I love how you mentioned that our first year we were going in blind, right? We've all Completely never participated. Never participated. Literally just decided to do it without knowing what it was. <laughs> And I don't know if you remember, but the first meeting was at Eon Cafe. Yep, I remember. And it was at, at 6 a.m. on a Saturday. Yeah, you made us like, wake up really early for that. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we had a dedicated team. That's true. And, like, all of you guys showed up. Uh, I think, like, the mo- at most, like, everyone was, like, 10 minutes late, maybe. But everyone was showing Like, one person showed up before me. That was Ryan Burbridge. He was, like, yeah, half sure. an hour before I was. Like, oh, sh-. like, all right. I showed up, like, at 5.50. He was, like, there at 5.30. Um, on a Saturday morning, uh, on a, a decision that we're going to do this. Yeah. That was completely wild. But, right, this opportunity that came about to just take our small group from Hayward, California, or even, like, leadership public schools in general, and compete at this this statewide science bowl was, yeah. at least for me, an opportunity that I never thought I'd imagine. Like, I've always loved science, but I never thought I was capable of competing at this Right, you see science bowls on TV or you see science bowls in the movies and right, everyone knows pretty much everything when it comes to science. But for me, I couldn't let that opportunity pass where I could say that I was a part of something like that. So very grateful for that. Came back second year and, you know, contributing to what we did and being able to move on, you know, even beating one of the other schools was definitely a it huge was nuts. That was crazy for us because it was nuts. we're just a group of kids that, you know, wanted to to challenge what it meant to to be from a school yeah charter school and compete at a statewide science bowl so even that was a huge accomplishment in itself but i think it was like when you said it was that moment that gave you this opportunity to pursue this wonderful organization creating this r&d lab in an airport hangar flying rockets right i think that's like every kid's dream right even in science class in elementary school or middle school, maybe you made like a Pepsi rocket right out of, you know, well, that's and the whatnot. Cool part. So we, we were doing this for our competition, right? But we also yeah. like threw these like giant PR events for like Riverside was very much like Hayward. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We were there. So it's a lot of like, a lot of high schools that were just kind of like underrepresented. Yeah. The cool thing was like being able to host events as, as a entire like engineering school and say like, mm-hmm. Hey, this, these are all the projects you get to work on yeah. um, and just like teach people like, Hey, like the rockets are possible for people coming from our background. Like yeah. that's how you do it. And then we do like our rockets at some engineering events and, right. 
it was really cool uh, not only to grow up from that kind of environment in Hayward, but like to take it to Riverside and say, hey, like, you know, that's what it takes and this is how you can yeah. do it. And like, actually, uh, I don't know, connect with them in a definitely. certain way that you know, other people might not be able to. Yeah, definitely translational, right? This, 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 the culture or the environment from coming from Hayward and seeing that happen in Riverside. But like I was saying, it was, right, it's every kid's dream to, to fly a rocket and for you to actually fly a legitimate rocket where you got funded, I think that's, that's super cool. Because we both love science, so that's pretty awesome. But you spoke, uh, you're, you're getting into the next, the question, next question. And I love how you, you have your heart set on science. You, you have your heart set on technology and you got into entrepreneurship in college and post-graduation. Yeah. So I know that you were heavily invested in learning about entrepreneurship and you currently work for Amazon right now. Yep. My question is, is where do you see the work of large corporations like Amazon in moving the needle in terms of investing in communities and furthering society in general, but also a second part question of how do you see yourself playing a part in all of that? Yes, I can actually, in this last month alone, actually the last two or three weeks, um, this opportunity came up, which I didn't even know seems like this could exist, but it's, it's a dream. Um, it's almost trippy to, to be part of it. Um, when I think of, of some of the most impactful problems that there are to solve mm-hmm. in the world yeah. um among those top ones is um creating a sustainable future energy ones yep you know like how do we stop contributing to these carbon emissions and how do we yeah. push the planet in a much cleaner way yeah and i always thought like you know like people recycle like it's not the consumers that are really directly contributing to this by not recycling and throwing trash away. It's like, you know, we purchase products that we make that are not green and these corporations have to like amass so much energy to make these products and run their operations. So I'm like, you know, like the only way to really solve this is um, number one, do something whatever Elon Musk is doing (laughs) with just like, oh, I'm going to create green vehicles so everyone can drive in a green way. Um, But bring down the the emissions of a corporation. And for me, working at a place where like like Amazon is like where we set the standards of, of what corporations are meant to be. Right. It's not like crazy. Like we have enough profit and revenue and like enough pool to basically say like, no, no, well, this is how we're going to do it. And you better roll with us. Or we're not going to buy from you to do our business or whatever. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Pool. So I think like if, if any corporation is going to change the game into how we think about, you know, becoming green, and, and building a renewable future is going to have to start at the top from like Amazon, Microsoft, Apple. Mm. And um, Amazon pledged by 2040 to have a, a, a net zero carbon footprint. Wow. Um, so just to give some background, I work within the engineering planning and analytics organization in Amazon, mm. um, specifically in the, the configuration and change management team. Okay. All of this is very fancy talk for saying um, we're the team that helps um, the team that designs the fulfillment centers. So we're always pushing on new fulfillment centers. So we're trying to get that one hour delivery as if possible to everyone, mm-hmm. uh, which means having a fulfillment center right next to your, your door. Um, so we're always just designing and pumping out fulfillment centers left and right in the yeah. world. 
Um, so we have a design team that does that. Our team specifically, if you look at a fulfillment center as an entire puzzle, mm-hmm. every single puzzle piece and every change to a puzzle piece goes through our team. And, and that's, that's kind of how I'm involved in everything. Mm-hmm. But recently, what was really cool is engineering planning and analytics started getting involved into um, seeing how we can like impact this 2040 goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just it just happened like it, it's um one of the people inside christian karen was actually the one that said like hey like you know 24 is coming up sooner than we think yeah i don't know why our team isn't getting involved in this because in order to make a operation sustainable like they have to go through us mm-hmm. they have to go through inter- like there's no other way <laughs> to get into the design of these fulfillment centers and the operations are going through our team it just doesn't have mm-hmm. designs of fulfillment centers we got to start reaching out and seeing what we can do. And and so now we're at a point where uh, we're given enough leash by our managers to, to kind of explore and pursue this idea of how we can make Amazon's operations sustainable. And wow. like if, if Amazon sets a standard mm-hmm. and, you know, everyone goes after it, like we're directly impacting, you know, this corporations that not the world on, on sustainable energy. And I'm, I'm really happy I get to just be part of that in some indirect or, or direct way. I'm like, I'm like, I'm Christian Karen, just like talking like, all right, how are we going to do this? Like, wh- what do you, what do you need us to do? Like, yeah. Um, and it's just cool that our managers in Amazon, like that's not my primary focus. I have like my, my primary role and responsibilities. Yeah. But our manager, like would give us enough leash to explore things that we're passionate about too. Mm. Um, you know, see how, how far we can take it. Dang, right? I think it's a lot of us think about Amazon as this, right? This huge entity that has plays a part in so many aspects of our life, right? I can really water it down in a sense of, right? They just invest in so many different companies, right? Yeah. They have so many different investments and therefore have a lot of influence in different parts of our life, right? Whether yeah. business, commerce, right? Tech, it doesn't all these different aspects. But then I love how you talked about that one of their new or new initiatives, but also their one of their their primary focuses right now is about sustainability, right? And I think being advocated for, right? This conversation of climate change is really big right now of where do our priorities lie in terms of the, sustaining the environment or caring for the environment and what are we really going to do about it when you see wildfires, you see natural disasters happening all across the world at a, at a record breaking rate. What are we going to do for our environment? And I love how Amazon is stepping up to that plate in a sense of how are we going to be more sustainable to lower our carbon emissions, our carbon footprint so that we can set a standard so we can set a model for other companies to really care about the same issues that we're caring about because I have different opinions or different thoughts when it comes to Amazon because I used to work for Amazon, but to hear stories about sustainability, to hear stories about focusing on the environment really does hit home for me because I do care about our environment. And a lot of people that are watching or a lot of people that may be listening, they care about the environment too, right? And maybe the priorities of what to care for in the environment maybe up for debate but there's this general consensus that we need to do something to lower now, carbon yeah. emissions that we need to do something that carries on that really considers the next generation of entrepreneurs that considers the next generation of people so that they can live 
in a better, if not better, world than what we're going through right now. And a lot of that is thinking about climate change on the plate right now, not thinking right now. it's a 2040, it's not a 2040 goal, it's a 2020 goal where we can see our results in 2040. Right? Yeah, it's, exactly. it's something that we need to be really present oriented in. I like how Amazon's stepping up in the plate for that. I really do hope that other large corporations, like you mentioned, Microsoft, Google, Apple, I really hope they do see what other companies are doing along with that. And I know that every company is doing it in their own way, right? But really being people or, right, being consumer-oriented in a sense that how are we going to be helping out our, our people, right, our consumers? Yeah. How are we going to be thinking about what we do as a company, what we do as a corporation, and really think about the people that are supporting us? Because, right, their investment and money goes a long way, and there's a huge chain that even I don't understand in terms of where money comes from. But when we think about the consumer, people like you and me that buy yeah. products from Amazon or people that don't buy products from Amazon, maybe they buy a locally small business, but those small businesses still try to partner with Amazon in some way, right? Yeah. How, do, how are we being cared for when in terms of we care for the environment, we care about how these products are being made and how they're being manufactured and how they're being consumed. How are companies like Amazon contributing to a more greener, sustainable world when it comes to that. And I think that it's nice that that question is being answered to some capacity. And I loved how you mentioned that maybe it's not always in the conversation of how are we playing a role in climate change, but how are these large companies playing a role in climate change and what are they yeah. doing to step up to the plate? Because we can talk to about, yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, and, and I think so one of the reasons Amazon's doing it first or, or, or why I'm pointing it out yeah. is uh, Amazon is very customer obsessed. So we really yeah. only care about what our customers care about. So if our customers didn't care at all about this green net zero carbon emissions, like we're not gonna care, right? Uh, when you mentioned like, where does the money come from? At the end of the day, it comes from like these off daily purchases that the consumer, yeah. uh, they just pile up, right? And that's, that's where the money comes from. Um, but I, I think it's really cool to see the kind of consumers also step up and say like I'm buying, you know, renewable products that are made out of this. That's like uh, if you go to the X Price um, yeah. website, they're like there's like um, vodka made out of CO two. So <laughs> like there's a whole bunch right. of like green products coming yeah. out because people are like now willing to say like yes, I'll pay like a dollar extra for yeah. something that was made this way instead of this way. Mm -hmm. uh, so a huge shout out also to just like customers that are doing this and just saying yeah. Like I'm responsible for the earth too, and I'm gonna sh vote for that direction with my dollar. Yeah. No company's perfect. I think that's really something that's important to recognize, right? Every yeah. company is not perfect, and there's always going to be problems within a company. But I like hearing stories about how are we using our power? How are we using our privilege? How are we using our capacity? to really contribute to a better world in some areas, right? We, no yeah. company can solve all the problems in the world. And I think that's really important to recognize, right? Even with a, with a company like Amazon that has so many hands in different places, at least yeah. one of their hands, right? At least one of their 
reaches or capacities is thinking about sustainability. And I like how for a company that is always manufacturing or at least always pumping out products in different areas and having all these fulfillment centers, like you said, I used to work in a fulfillment center. How are we going to make at least their operations a little bit more greener, right? And yeah. that's something that we can all appreciate, you know, whether we support Amazon by buying from them or we don't, right? How are we still in this conversation of acknowledging what are these different companies trying to do? And I think that's, it's a yeah. good highlight or a good story to, to mention of, you know, Amazon's trying to do this and that's something that we can, we can appreciate in the end. On board, hundred percent on board. Yep. So we talked a lot about your upbringing. We talked a lot about your love for science, your love for math. We talked about your experiences in college and post-graduation working for Amazon. So I'll put you in a situation, Omar, and I just want you to respond to it, okay? Sure. You're about, you're about to embark in time travel 10 years into the future, right? Okay. What do you hope to see in yourself and hope to be true in your life? Holy cow, man. 10 years into the future. I don't even know if I can answer that like hmm. two years into the future. <laughs> Ten, you're about to time travel. <laughs> um, so I, I don't really, no matter what I say, I'm, I'm sure it's going to change at some point. Um, but I have noticed that there are things that, that haven't changed. And I'm just going to piggyback off of... Um, Miss Decker's uh, hmm. podcast, actually, that I saw yesterday hmm. over here in the Catch Up With <laughs> podcast. Yeah. You know, she mentioned how when she looks at her uh, advisory role, mm -hmm. her, her counseling profession yeah. uh, within LPS uh, Hayward High Schools, she thinks about like, how do I help people reach the goals they set out to themselves? Mm -hmm. You know, like, what problem do you want to solve? And then how can I help you get there with my skill set? Definitely. And I resonated with that a lot because I think that's that's the right way to approach like mm. any profession. It's like how when when I look about what I like to do is I like to think um, I like to dig into people's answers, like question like, you know, what yeah. what kind of life do you want to live? Yeah. What kind of like even short term or long-term future do you want for yourself and then you know what do you need to help you get there so my the way i do is very different miss decker mm -hmm. um i like to ask people that all the time and then figure out what kind of product might help them get there interesting faster yeah. or better yeah. uh so like you know when you think about even the, the kindle mm -hmm. which is like you know, it's just it's a, a reading tablet, basically. Like revolutionary, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's not that different from an iPad if yeah. you think about it. But at the same time, it, because of its design, it's also just very different from an iPad. Yeah. Um, the entire reason the Kindle was brought up was like, well, books have existed for so long. Um, and you know, people read books to for for a lot of different reasons. It is self improve to read stories to grow themselves to go in these emotional journeys uh, within a story. Yeah. Like there's a lot of reasons why people read books, but in, at the end of the day, like we're reading books to kind of grow. Mm -hmm. And the question I was asked was like, well, how do we help people 
grow from reading books and how do we make it better for them? Mm-hmm. Like what's a small, a really small problem that a lot of people have mm-hmm. that can help move us forward in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Amazon set out to reinvent the book and they're like, how do we reinvent it? And um, there was a, a review that was by Stephen King actually on the Kindle when it first came out, which was, uh, you know, when I started reading on the Kindle, it was like the first 10 minutes, it was very obvious. I was pressing a button. I was, I was very much using this technological tablet to, to read. But 10 minutes in, it was just me and the story, and I was engrossed. Mm-hmm. And all I could think about was that story. Like, I, that was it. You know, when you get into a book real good, you didn't know just the pages. Yeah. You don't know the buttons anymore. Yeah. Uh, and to think that I can now read this story and many more stories from just a single small tablet that could last, like, the battery lasts, like, forever. Yeah. Like, that's an amazing product because mm-hmm. now I'm able to grow through reading in the same way that was a book, but when I'm traveling, I can't take all my books, yeah. right? And now I can. So I'm always like very interested in how how to help people live their everyday lives in a slightly better way. Mm. Um, you know, the, the invention of, of a new product. So I, I think like 10 years down the line, I don't think that would change a lot. Um, nice. I think I'll continue thinking about like how, how can I design or make or, or contribute to a product that helps people live their everyday lives better. Yeah. One, one big goal that I do have set out for myself, actually too, um, back to LPS Hayward, such a fun, foundational experience for me. Um, we were like 16, 17, we were sponges. But we had this thing called Senior Sunset, where, or Senior Sunrise, where the entire class, that graduating class, um, comes and comes to the high school before the sun even comes out. Yeah. Which was like... Whoever thought of that, by the way, and thought, like, yeah, we'll just bring the high schoolers over here. We'll make them wake up early. <laughs> like the confidence of that staff member. I'm betting it was one era. And uh, we were offered to just speak, right? Like, you yeah, have a minute, a minute and a half, or however yeah. long you need. Yeah. If you want to say anything to your graduating class, now's the time to say it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us went up there and were like, got in front of our class and were like, oh, this is my life, my story, yeah. this is what I want to do. And I knew I wanted to get up there, so it was like a line, I got on the line, I didn't know what I was going to say next. <laughs> and then I, I got in front of the, the crowd and I, I still didn't know what to say, and then words just came out of my mouth. And I somehow ended up saying something along the lines of, um, I want to help end a war. And I don't, I don't know why that was. I, you know, it could be like, I, I had, uh, I was influenced by like the, the anime I was into back then, or, you know, it could be anything. Um, but the, the song just never left my mind since that senior sunrise. Wow. Um, and so I still kind of, of gold mine. I don't know how far I can get to it. I don't know. You know how much I can even contribute to it, but I know like whatever that is, like that's that's something I'm not always thinking about, but I'm very actively thinking about more regularly than I'd like sometimes. Yeah. Um, and and so I, even during college, I always ask myself this: like, all right, so what what am I gonna do? Like, how are we gonna do this? 
what's the rule of war? And then I kind of came up with some first iteration after all, like uh, it has to do with the distribution of resources and that people can't agree on how to redistribute this resource and it has to do with the ideology that justifies this distribution of resources. Oh my God, fair game. How about we make like unlimited resources available to everyone um, in a finite world? So I'm like, all right, what's a good way to do that? And then somewhere along the, the lines when I got kicked out of school after my sophomore year, like three weeks in, I started thinking about that again. And just during one time, I was going to the bathroom, taking my phone with me, I was scrolling through stuff, and I found an article on asteroid mining. <laughs> um, and then suddenly, like, it just clicked in my head, like, the way to help end war um, through tackling the problem of how do we best redistribute resources is to help create a gateway into unlimited resources, which meant um, opening up kind of space to, yeah. to harvest those resources. I'm like, astro mining has to be, astro mining is what's going to get us there. Wow. And so now my goal is astro mining. So now I'm, I'm like 10 years on the line. I don't know how far I can get again. Uh, you know, I'm not Elon Musk. I'm not Jeff Bezos. Um, but I know, like, I'm sure that's how I'm going to try. I don't know why I want to try this bad. Mm. But it's, it's just something that stuck with me for um, for the longest time now. It's almost almost become an obsession. Um, and I even write about it in, in uh, I released an article this year, actually, yeah. in April, talking about it. Um, but yeah, like, that's, I'll, I'll be doing two things. I'll be pursuing asteroid mining in some way or another, and I'll be looking out about how I can make everyday people's lives better incrementally through uh, products. That's going to stay the same. Love how you mentioned your short-term goal and long-term goal, right? This short-term goal of finding some type of product or focusing on product design of how to make everyone's life better and easier because that's definitely part of our lives right now is always finding the next product that's going to make our life easier. So wanting to contribute to that, but also this long-term goal of solving wars in, in the sense of not everyone has the right resources, not everyone has access to resources. If we're so caught up on who gets what, why don't we search for a source that's going to provide all that, right? And yeah, you know, there's there's different ways that you, that you could look at that. But you know, I love that you have a short term goal, a long term goal, and right, just thinking about who you are, Omar, always a, always a visionary, and I love how <laughs> I don't know about that. It's just uh, I'm, you always uh, have goals for yourself. You have big dreams for yourself, and you're always that's part of your personality. You're gonna go get it. You're gonna. You're always a you're a go getter. If you want it for yourself, you're gonna find a way Thank for you, it to happen. But I loved how we talked about so many different things, and I always uh, appreciated you for for that spirit of if you want it, you're gonna find a way to get it. And I think that's something that we can all learn from in a sense. But Omar, I'm it's put that been... in my journal today. <laughs> nice. Yes, they called me a go getter. Yeah, Omar's a go go getter. But before we wrap things up, Omar. Quick yeah. shout out. If you could shout out two people that should get on the podcast, who are they? Justin Ibsen. Justin. Popcorn style on you. Right, Justin that's Ibsen. Just, one. Uh, the second one. I have a few people in my side. I'd be really good about who I, I nominate on this one. You know what? Uh, Brianna Fregoso. Yeah. So shout outs to Justin and Brianna. 
Hopefully you're yeah. coming soon if you're listening. But thank you so much again, Omar, for yeah, that's catching up me. with me. Catching appreciate up with you. Yep. Appreciate you always. For everyone else, thank you so much for listening. Go ahead. Leave a comment. Tell me what your thoughts are about today's episode. But Omar, until the next time, I'll talk to you later. Bye, guys. Bye.